Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and we are back for another week of action-packed uh, action. <laughs> uh, basically, tonight, we are going to be having our quick hits. Of course, we will have our highlight reel involving Raw and SmackDown, and we'll be looking at AEW Dynamite and NXT uh, from this past week. Uh, it, not a lot going on on the quick hits uh, situation, but they are big news stories. So I'm not going to waste any more of your time. Let's uh, not dilly-dally. Let's go ahead and get right into our quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. And this week, starting us off, Stephanie McMahon resigns from WWE as the CEO or co-CEO with Nick Khan. That puts Nick Khan in position as the full CEO of the company. And I don't understand why. She really didn't give a reason or as to what was going on, but this is now the second time that Stephanie has walked away from her position. The first time being when the allegations regarding Vince McMahon came out, she walked away. Vince stepped down and put her and Nick Khan in position as the CEOs. And now that Vince has returned, once again, Stephanie has walked away. I'm not sure if she is uncomfortable being around her father and maybe upset about the things that he has done. Or if we're just looking at her not wanting to be involved in what she's got going on. But what I do know is that it seems like that whenever Stephanie does resign her position in the WWE, it leads to another news story breaking. Because as soon as she went ahead and resigned, uh, we then found out about our second quick hit, which is the possible sale of the WWE. Vince McMahon had himself put back in as the uh, board of directors uh, because he does have the lion's share of stock. And uh, there has been a lot of rumors swirling, such as a sale to Saudi Arabia and their uh, you know uh, investment fund, uh, the same fund that funds the uh, LIV golf tournament that's been going on there and dishing out a lot of money to golfers all over the world, such as Phil Mickelson. Um, and then talks of uh, ABC and Disney, uh, Comcast, along with NBC, uh, Fox. There are, have been so many different suitors coming up to try to buy the WWE. One of which, actually, and this is a bit funny to me, is Tony Khan. Why? Because, well, think back to when Vince McMahon bought WCW. The WWE was firmly in position again in strength, picking up great ratings and everything that was going on. And then he said, yes, it's right. I bought my competition. Well, Tony Khan is not in the same position in regards to the ratings. But if he and his father were to purchase the WWE and form one, all of those, both those companies into one a giant company again, I'd find it pretty funny and ironic. You know what I mean? Uh, Vince bought WCW when it was on TNT and TBS and pretty much after the invasion trashed it and kept what he thought was good. So would Tony Khan do the same? Would he keep Raw and SmackDown as they are and then have a monopoly having shows on Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday? You know, two shows on Friday. Would he possibly move AEW Rampage to Thursday and have an entire monopoly on the uh, TV channels every night of the week? Who knows? You know, this might be a good way for him to get Ring of Honor in the door as well. 
it's crazy to think the the number one story that broke a couple of days ago was that Saudi Arabia actually already bought the WWE and a lot of people were moaning and groaning myself included. Nate Maxson and I spoke about this on last week's show of who could possibly buy it and myself and my buddies on the not the, the nothing but trouble podcast talked about it this week as well so you're going to hear that coming up on the next episode when we do get ready a wrestling episode ladies and gentlemen we we talked about it in droves about what we thought about the saudi deal happening and what it could really lead to uh here you know now we're thinking about possibly tony khan nbc in my opinion has their foot in the door in comcast because they've got the wwe on peacock you know what i mean and in all honesty, so does Fox because, well, they've got SmackDown on their channel. So you move Raw to Smack to Fox, you put SmackDown on FS1, you put NXT on FS2, and you've got the three big shows. And then you continue to allow Peacock to run the pay-per-views. It seems like a great deal to me. But there's been also a lot of fear. Well, what happens if a sale does happen and who takes over and yada, yada, yada? Well... Basically, what would happen, ladies and gentlemen, from what we've heard, Triple H is staying permanently as the head of creative. Shawn Michaels would be running NXT. And, of course, everybody else staying in place. Whoever buys the company would obviously put in their own CEOs and uh, CFOs and whatnot and, you know, vice presidents. But it will not bother the day-to-day operations in regards to the TV shows. So. This is weary, though, for me. See, this is the problem. Every time Stephanie seems to walk away from her position, a big news story breaks, such as Vince McMahon being sued, Vince McMahon being me too'd, Vince McMahon paying all this hush money. It it could, guys, be Stephanie McMahon basically throwing her father under the bus. We don't know because now, one day after she was she resigned from her post, well, here goes. she. We got the OSA of WWE is definitely sold to the Saudi Arabia's. We don't know. It could be Shane and Stephanie doing it together to try to destroy their father. I mean, this is, look, the McMahons are, are maybe a great family and do great things in wrestling, but we don't know how they act behind the scenes. Stephanie and Shane have been wanting to be in control forever. And now the Triple H is, Stephanie may want to keep him in control. So it's pretty damn weird with everything going on in the wrestling world today to think about, well, could the McMahon family not be owning the WWE anymore and possibly just be in, uh, you know, positions that somebody else who's a higher up is putting them in? Or could we possibly see the McMahon stay in power, but it not being Vince McMahon anymore? There's a lot of different ways that this could go. I, for one, am scared. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It just seems to me it's weird and it could lead to a lot of problems later on in the future and uh, uh, making us, the fans, deal with a lot of bullshit in regards to watching. So you never know, though. With that being said, let's go ahead and go get into my favorite part of the show. Let's go ahead and get into the high rally reel. And just a reminder to continue to support WrestleNet Radio and all the great shows that it has on here, such as The Slice in Time, The Year That Was, The uh, We Can't Wrestle podcast, and The Nothing But Trouble podcast right here on WrestleNet Radio. And our first quick hit comes to us from Monday Night Raw. Alexa Bliss's promo and Uncle Howdy's appearance 
Now, Alexa Bliss used to be dealing with the uh, Fiend. Uh, she also became a very dark character and brought out the Lily doll and started doing some supernatural things. We don't know if she's ever had dealings with Uncle Howdy before because this is a new character. But I like that they are transitioning the Uncle Howdy character to be involved with more than just Bray Wyatt. You put him involved with Alexa Bliss. Maybe you put him involved with a couple of other superstars. And now you get that Wyatt Six, uh, you know, faction that we were thinking about and talking about for so long under the guise of Uncle Howdy. A lot of people have been wondering who Uncle Howdy is, uh, saying that it's Bo Dallas. And I certainly think it is Bo Dallas in the mask. Uh, it, it just seems right. It's, it makes sense. And I, I think it's great for the storyline. And Alexa Bliss did a great job of being strong and, and independent on the show and then when uncle howdy came out she turned into the, what looked like this sh shaking child number two seth rollins and austin theory's promo uh battle and then the return of bobby lashley uh rollins and theory have been bringing out the absolute best in each other they are definitely bright spots on monday night raw and seeing bobby lashley back was great my only critique about this is that i thought bobby lashley got fired by adam pierce and apparently he was just sus suspended uh, I'm not exactly sure. It just seems like maybe they flubbed the line there or something. A little interesting to see Lashley get back in with MVP or turn MVP down. And could this possibly make him a marked man for the new hurt business that's being built up? Never can tell. Dolph Ziggler versus Solo Sikoi was a banger of a match. Definitely one that I enjoyed. Uh, Ziggler is a constant professional and always putting people over. And Solo Sikoi has become one of my favorite rookies dating back to his time in NXT last year and now what he's been doing on the main roster with the Bloodline. And finally, in the main event, the Tag Team Turmoil main event, we saw the return of the Hurt Business. We saw uh, the Street Profits do a great job. And the, um, the Judgment Day stayed in the match the entire time. Uh, it was a little weird that they, you know, after Finn Balor got injured, that they put Dominic in there because I don't feel that Dominic holds a candle to Finn Balor. But whatever the case may be, the Judgment Day now have a match with the Usos down the line. And it was very interesting to see. Over on uh, Friday Night SmackDown, uh, we had uh, Gunther versus Braun Strowman. I, I did not expect this to be as great of a match as it was. You know, you hear two big lumbering guys. You think it's going to be very slow and methodical? No. These guys went all out for the Intercontinental title on Friday Night SmackDown. And I, I for one, enjoyed it. Uh, we also had Bray Wyatt's promo. Uh, talking about returning to his roots and becoming the eater of world. That's the great thing about Bray Wyatt's character. You don't know where it's coming from this day and age. Is he going to change back to the fiend? Is he going to be the eater of worlds? Is he going to go back to that backwoods bayou swamp guy? It could be anything right now, and especially with Uncle Howdy and a potential of a bringing in of the Uncle Brody character, which is him paying homage to Brody Lee. It really does lead to this character being not just one-dimensional and always taking on a new form. And finally, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens in the main event of SmackDown. I don't usually deal well with matches that end in a non-finish with the DQ and whatnot, but Sami and Kevin did great for 22 minutes, and then the Usos coming out with Solo Sikoi and destroying Sami. Sami looking disjointed and not sure what to do and saying he wanted to take care of business leads me to continue to believe that by the Royal Rumble or just after it, we are going to see Sami Zayn get destroyed by the bloodline and Roman Reigns, setting up Kevin and Sami to challenge the uh, Usos for the World Tag Team titles at WrestleMania. And if not, and they're leading towards the rumors that have been going on that Sami Zayn may be one of the guys 
challenging Roman Reigns for the world heavyweight title over there at, at WrestleMania. That's fine with me, too, because I think Sammy deserves at least a shot. I don't know if he's going to win it. Uh, I, I I don't have a problem with it winning it, but I also could say that I definitely think that he has earned his shot at a world title and at a you know match with Roman Reigns. They've been building towards it for over almost a year. So, Moving on now to our next segment, we're going to go ahead and look at what NXT had to offer this past week. And this was one of those uh, TV specials. It was uh, named NXT New Year's Evil. Chase U and Andre Chase do a rundown of tonight's card as our opener uh, gets to uh, get underway. And it's pretty damn enjoyable uh, with all the looking back and everything they have set up for tonight. Tony D will take on Dijak in the opening match. Wesley is on commentary. And uh, this was actually a fight, not a match. Tony D and Dijak just brawled throughout the entire match with right hands and chops. Tony tried to get Stax involved, but Dijak took him out and delivered his finisher to Tony D to pick up the win in 10 minutes. Decent opener. Mackenzie is with Toxic Attraction, and both are flying high about the Battle Royal tonight. She asks them what happens if it comes down to JC and Gigi, and if they're left in the match alone. And they say then they both win. Interesting. The Creed Bows are set up to take on Indosheer, Sangha, and uh, Veer Mahan. Sangha came out to the ring alone and said Veer wasn't there this evening. And apparently it's because Veer lost his father this past weekend and is with his family. Our condolences go out to him. After some back and forth talk, Jinder Mahal returned to NXT and helped Sangha attack the Creeds. Jinder said that Veer and Sangha fight for respect, but he doesn't. Interesting, interesting to see uh, a former world heavyweight champion back over there on NXT. Pretty Deadly are backstage, and New Day come up and tell them that the Creeds and Indoshare never happened, so their matchup is next. Pretty Deadly run off in a jokey fashion. Sigh. Sangha is chased down by Valentina Perez, and she wants to know if this is the real him. He says yes and walks off. Alexa Lopez lets her to know not to worry about him and worry about the women's battle royal later on tonight. Pretty Deadly cut their usual promo in the ring and say tonight they'll be three of the best tag teams in NXT. And here come the Jobbers, ladies and gentlemen. Kit and Prince dispose of the first team in 30 seconds, but cue the New Day. They aren't letting them get away with this BS and bring out the first of the two teams they've picked for Pretty Deadly to go up against, and it's Blade and Enoff. All four men went back and forth for about 10 minutes and had a great matchup, but Pretty Deadly had eliminated them as well. So out comes the returning Gallus. That's right. The Gallus boys are back, and they destroy Kit and Prince. Gallus throws Pretty Deadly around the ring and pick up the big win at the 17-minute mark. Gallus versus the New Day now for the NXT titles somewhere down the line. I'll take it. Julius Creed is backstage, and Ivy now tries to stop him from going crazy and finding Jinder Mahal. Why is Ivy always stopping the Creed from, from fighting so much? It makes no sense. A vignette of Carla Mello Hayes and Trick Williams just chilling is shown. Mello is going to be big in 2023, in my opinion. And here comes the returning Tiffany Stratton. They did the right thing, keeping her off TV, in my opinion, after her loss to Wendy Chu. Tiffany cuts a very annoying promo about her first nine months in NXT, which makes no sense because she mostly lost, ladies and gentlemen. A fake paparazzi congratulates Quintana and Carter on being the longest reigning women's tag team champions. I didn't know five months with only three title defenses was long. He also tries to talk to Tiffany, Tiffany Stratton, but she says no and walks off. 
Grayson Waller then took on Bra- uh, Braun Breaker, and I don't know why this matchup is not the main event, but okay. Uh, both men uh, were having a great matchup with, with Waller making Breaker second-guess himself and Breaker fighting hard to try and keep his opponent down. Waller was going for a second rope elbow, but the rope snapped and Waller fell to the floor. He got counted out and Breaker gets the count-out win in 13 minutes. What the fuck just happened? All that hype and pushing for a rope snap? A botch? Really? Mackenzie is with women's champion Roxanne Perez, and she's rooting for anyone but Cora Jade. This is going to be a huge win for anyone and a huge match at Vengeance Day. She hears the threats of toxic attraction, but she's ready and cannot wait to watch tonight's main event. Well, that's why uh, Breaker and Waller were in the middle of the show. We get highlights of what's been going on with Hank Walker, Charlie Dempsey, and Drew Gillick. I smell a heel turn. Walker takes on Dempsey. The big man Walker tried to use size, but Dempsey's speed and submission skill got him the upper hand. Dempsey got the win by tap out in seven minutes. Drew Gulak did not turn. I'm kind of shocked. Alba Fire approaches the surfer girl, Saul Roca, and offers her a one-on-one match since their matchup got interrupted a couple of weeks ago. Roca is hesitant and Fire snaps at her. She apologizes and walks off. Tyler Bate will return next week. I'm psyched for that. And apparently Julius Creed got what he wanted, a singles match with Jinder Mahal. This was a great technical battle uh, with Creed showing off big time. That jump to the top rope and belly to belly was awesome. But Mahal outsmarted him. A shot to the knee, a big boot, and his finisher let Mahal get the win in eight minutes. I'm not understanding the booking, but okay. Gallus apparently beat down Briggs and Jensen backstage and off camera. Fallon and Kiana are trying to console them, but it's Battle Royal time. Women's Battle Royal is next. Bell rings and everyone just tears into each other, and Cora Jade is out within seconds. Wow. There's women fighting everywhere and being tossed out. We get down to exactly what was called toxic attraction, just Gigi and JC. They celebrate and then realize that they've got to fight. But JC pretends she's going to let Gigi win and then super kicks her out of nowhere. They fight for about a minute and then both end up on the apron fighting on the uh, turnbuckle. Both land a shot and fall to the ground at the exact same time. Unexpected and pretty good ending. Post-match, the referees argue over who landed first. We get replays and all of it shows them landing at the same time. Then finally, a referee comes to a decision, gets in the ring, and names both women the winner. This was the white rate to go, and we get a triple threat match with Roxanne Perez at Vengeance Day between Gigi Dolan and JC Jane and Roxanne Perez. Should be fantastic. But then we shoot to Shawn Michaels' office. This was unexpected. Shawn Michaels is with Braun Breaker and uh, Grayson Waller, and uh, he didn't like the way their match ended, neither did they or I, for that matter. He makes a rematch for Vengeance Day, and this will take place inside a steel cage. Thank you, Sean, but, and I'm not shitting on Sean Michaels anyway, but what is the steel cage going to do because the match ended in a countout? Yes, they can't go to the outside, but it was a rope break. There was no interference. There was no problems. It was a, the rope snapping underneath Waller. I don't understand the booking again, but still, thank you, Sean, for giving them another opportunity. There was some good and some bad tonight, which was what I was afraid of last week. But the ending to the Battle Royal and Shoin's announcement was great. I'm giving this episode a 3.5 like last week, but it was a 2.5 before the last 25 minutes. It was not doing well, ladies and gentlemen. So let's go ahead, now that we've looked at NXT, and take a look at what AEW had to offer on this week's Dynamite.
And the show immediately starts with John Moxley on his way to the ring, and I guess it's going to be that kind of night. Let's go to the ring. Moxley taking on Adam Page. This started out as a brawl and ended as a brawl because both men just wanted to fight. Moxley tried to go ground and pound, but Page kept fighting back and pushing Moxley to fight. We saw a reversal and a buckshot lariat by Page, who got the win in 15 minutes. Great opener. Post-match, doctors check on Moxley, so we're going to fake a Mox concussion to keep this storyline going. I get it. Excalibur then gives us an update after the commercial break and tells us that Moxley is being checked on, and the doctors say that he may be seriously hurt. That's right. They're faking this despite Hangman getting really hurt. Absolutely stupid. Tony Schiavone is in the ring and welcomes us to the welcomes us back and welcomes back the returning Adam Cole, baby. And what an ovation he received. Cole gives us an update on what's been going on with him and his injuries. Sounds like the guy's been going through hell. He appreciates the fans and how they've been supporting him for the last six months. He has some bad news, but it's not for him. It's for the AEW locker room. He is back and he's not going anywhere. He thought his career was over, but no, he ain't done yet. Glad to see him back, ladies and gentlemen. Adam Cole is a bright spot, a spot of any roster. The acclaimed hype that they'll be getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame next week. Really? Lee Moriarty and Big Bill take on Jungle Boy and Hook. This was a one-sided match for the entire uh, beginning. To end, Moriarty and Bill just kept on their opponents and looked to have this one won. But Jungle Boy and Hook made a comeback. We saw the submission from Hook. And he and Jack Perry got the win in nine minutes. Renee is with Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, and the guy from Cobra Kai, uh, the really fat guy with the beard, uh, and he, he interrupts them and said that he was a big fan of Renee and Danhausen. Segment ended with the best friend saying they're still friends and hugging. Uh, why the pointless segment? MJF comes out before the next match and makes fun of Takashita and the crowd. He makes the obvious but funny joke about Takashita's name. Uh, Takashita tells him to kiss his ass, and MJF gets pissed. He says everyone thinks he's afraid of Danielson and the Iron Man match. He says he can go an hour, just as your mother, sister, and wife know. This was great a great promo from uh, Max, and he's doing a great job as champion. He even pokes fun at Ken Jung from The Hangover, and a guy I hate in Freddie Prince Jr., who's busting to be relevant in the wrestling business. I, I don't know why. But I constantly hear stories of Freddie Prince Jr. lending a helping hand. I get it. He was on the SmackDown uh, uh, booking uh, committee for a while. But damn, Freddie, stay in your lane. The Brian Anderson makes his way to the ring, and he is going to take on Takeshita. Uh, this was a classic from the minute the bell rang. Danielson is on another level, and Takeshita stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. The youngster almost had a couple of near falls, but Danielson just kept going. Danielson locked in his submission and got the win in 15 minutes. Renee is with now with Juice Robinson, and he challenges Darby Allen to a TNT title match on Friday. That's going to be a banger, I have to say. And then uh, Tony Storm and Soraya take, come out to take on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. This was not the best women's tag match ever, and I'm glad it didn't go long, or last, actually, as well. It should not have been the main event, and I thank God for that. Storm and Soraya were sloppy throughout the match and made it hard to watch. Baker and Hayter did great, but couldn't keep up with all the mistakes. Sheeta comes out and uh, distracted the ref by accident, which allowed Britt to use a kendo stick on Hayter uh, and then allowed Hayter to get the win at the 13-minute mark. Um, end this storyline now, AEW. Soraya and Tony, are uh, Athena, all of these women who are out to hurt their opponents and don't know how to work lately, send them to Ring of Honor for now. 
let him get better season and let the real stars like Baker and Hayter and, and Jade and even Nyla Rose actually have matches. We hear from Eddie Kingston and Ortiz about their matchup with House of Black that will happen this Friday. There's tension between these two, but I think they'll stick together. Uh, then the Jericho Appreciation Society, dumbest name ever, are in the ring. Daddy Magic or Dumbass McGee try to hype up the crowd, and I'm cringing. Uh, this whole segment was so Jericho could boast about going to PWG and what he did to Ricky Starks. He's on a three-match losing streak, but yeah, let's give Jericho more TV time. Ricky Starks and Action Andretti hit the stage. Starks throws daggers at Jericho. Action Andretti makes fun of Sammy and Tay. Garcia yells, and the segment is going nowhere. I'm done. Time for the main event. And it is the Elite taking on Death Triangle. A true car crash from this one, but uh, they only gave them 14 minutes. Action was everywhere, and the Bucks and Pac flew all over the arena. Penta got thrown through a table. Phoenix was down and out, and Omega took out Pac with double knees to the chest after he tried his red arrow uh, from the top rope. Uh, and then Kenny began to climb. Kenny climbed up and grabbed the belts and gave his team their second trios title win. Your winners and new AEW trios champion, the Elite, which we knew was going to happen. We didn't need a best of seven series to do this. We didn't need to tank the ratings every time they were in the main event. Should have just gave the belts back to the Elite immediately when they came back. Again, just like NXT, there was some good and bad. The MJF promo and Danielson match and the main event were all great and the opening match, but the rest was bad. Giving AEW a three out of five. Both shows need to step it up. I, I, I can't continue to watch every week and give you guys compelling stories if it's always going to be this bad, ladies and gentlemen. Wrestling lately, there's been a lot more bad than there has been good. Um, it, it just seems to me that everything is either rushed booking or way, way too overcomplicated. And I'm not enjoying it. Uh, this almost feels like a job lately. So I'm going to do my best to come back next week and give you the absolute best show that you deserve. But for right now, understand that until the product gets better, the show is going to be me bitching and moaning, as it has been in the past and as it always has to be here and there. But if you want to hear a real good classic wrestling show where we talk about the Saudi Arabia show in the beginning and then talk about our favorite wrestlers from the past uh, and the present and future, Go ahead and check out the Nothing But Trouble podcast that will drop next week. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Thank you all for joining me. Continue to support the uh, podcast, uh, the WrestleNet Radio, and all the shows that are on it. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. And I'll see you next time if, if you smell what the arch is cooking.